Hey everyone, welcome back. This is the seventh episode of the Father and Son Financial Planning Team Podcast by Stokes Financial Group. We're your hosts, Skylar and Brian Stokes, located in beautiful, sunny San Diego. And we want to bring you a professional view on financial matters that individuals and businesses are likely to face on a continued basis. Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us today. Welcome back to the show. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a few of the different types of investments that are available to most people. Indeed so. So most people know investments as stocks or bonds or mutual funds. Um, mostly mutual funds. Mostly mutual funds. Because they buy them in their retirement plans. Yeah. Um, but recently there's been a interest in ETFs, which are exchange-treated funds and insurance products and all kinds of other things that are out there. But for today... We're just going to be talking um, generalities on five or six different topics. So, yeah. So I think the first thing we should start with pops is CDs because they're, the, I think, the most... Um, Aren't you going to introduce this first? No, we already did that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, CDs are very simply put... Certificates of deposit. They're called... Certificates of deposit. That's right. CDs. Certificates of deposit. Okay. So, anyway, you can get them short term. You can get them long term. You can get them in between. Um, typically, they range from three months to six months. I think most people own six months. CDs. Six months CDs. Yeah. They don't want to take. They don't want to put it in too long because they don't know what's happening. But at the same time, they um, uh, the rate that they receive is very very low. Of course. You're not going to get a big rate on a regular CD by any stretch of the imagination. That's because you're loaning money to the bank through the certificate of deposit. And the bank is guaranteeing that you're going to get your money back through the FDIC insurance. Right. What people don't realize is that CDs actually, um, you lose money every time you invest in a CD. People don't think about that. Because if you take into consideration the taxes you pay on the interest, plus... The inflation, inflation. rate. Mm-hmm. When you're making one point nine percent, what's that six months rate right now? I don't. I, I want to say a year is like point nine seven. Okay, percent. think about you're taking point nine seven, and you're making any money at all since you are since you're putting money in CDs. Your net rate, based upon your taxes, is probably going to be about seventy point seven percent, maybe three quarters percent at most, and then inflation's running at what two. Uh, yeah, let's just say two. So you're a negative 1%. Mm-hmm. That is what happens with people who buy CDs. But mm-hmm. they want to buy... Why, why do you buy a CD? Safety. Safety. That's and... it. You don't want to take any risk in the markets. To heck with stock markets because they're going to lose you your money. And I'm not going to take that risk. So I'd rather stick my money in the bank because the bank is nearby, which is really kind of an interesting thought process because actually the bank, you put money into a CD and off it goes to the Fed somewhere. Mm-hmm. It floats around and it's really interesting how it really works. Well, I think we need to clarify too is a CD is a is an insured uh-huh. product uh-huh. and an insured investment uh-huh. by the FDIC, uh-huh. which is the uh, Federal Deposit, Deposit Insurance, Insurance Corporation. Corporation. Yeah, That's right. it's a it's a it's a yeah, 
It's so. a separate governmental agency. That's right. So anyway, that's what a CD is. Um, and one of the strategies that we've talked about before is, at least on the podcast, is in the event that someone wants kind of, um, they want money in their savings account, but they also want to have some sort of interest rate or they want to at least participate in something. something besides um, losing your money besides because of inflation. Losing, yeah. Um, having a rotating three-month CD strategy. Yeah, it's called laddering CDs. Yes, a lateral, One year, yeah. six month, nine month, three month, and it, when one comes due every quarter at that point in time, you're going to get the average rate, which is l- usually higher than the three. Then it's not it's not an average of three, six, nine, twelve. It ends up being a bit more because you're always buying out one year after that starts. It's a good way to do it. A lot of people ladder bonds, and a lot of people ladder CDs. Mm-hmm. One yeah. problem is you don't make any money on them. That's why I like the. Um, new CDs that are out, which are market-linked, meaning that, like, I think it comes through Goldman Sachs and a couple of other firms yeah, right so now. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Citibank, H- HSBC. Um, there's a lot more than that. I, I, yeah. I didn't know there that many, but there's, I know what they do is they they allow you to invest in the market, and the worst case scenario is you get all your money back, which because, is really interesting because it's FDIC because insured. it's FDIC insured, so you can put up to. An individual put two hundred fifty thousand dollars into it. Well, you want to put two hundred forty because it makes money. The money above the two hundred fifty isn't guaranteed. Just in case something goes wrong, so you want to put like two forty in it. But you put two forty in, and you can invest in I don't know all sorts of indexes and like. And at the end of the day, you're going to end up either with some all part whatever of the increase in the stock market above what you originally purchased or worst case scenario is the market's down and you end up with all your money back FDIC insured that's crazy yeah they're pretty cool it's great Spe- those are great things yes yeah, so speaking of which I'm actually um, working on a website right now for, for informational purposes yeah and it's market-linkedcds.com it's not up yet though it's not up yet no, but okay. I'm going to be putting up videos and everything else because I think are they going to be exciting videos they're going to be very exciting oh I'm glad riveting you're going to have dancing dancing CDs <laughs> yeah that's right music and, and everything yeah and I, I just I feel like it's something that isn't really talked about because if someone were to go to their bank um, they're not going to tell you about this. Yeah, they're they're generally they're not going to mention these kinds of things. No. Um, so I wanted to provide at least a little bit more information for people so that they could be aware that there's something else out there that is insurable that can participate market, yeah, in market. Yeah, upswings. exactly. So anyway, so that's CDs. Um, and that's the latest and greatest, by the way, in CDs is yeah. this these market linked. Yeah. certificates they can also be for yeah. income mm-hmm. and growth and all sorts of fun things at some point when when the website's up and running I'll um, I'll put a link to our on this episode so people can check okay. it out all right. all right so the next thing we're gonna talk about is um, dun, 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 this a stock or yeah just basically a stock um, so as we've talked about in the previous episode the stock market yeah. a stock is a piece of ownership in a company. Very good. You passed. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. I passed thirty-two years ago. <laughs> I think it was longer than that. No, I'm talking about as far as passing for my test for the being a broker. But that's beside the point. Was it thirty-two? Was nineteen? No. Oh my gosh! No, it was nineteen. Right? It was nineteen eighty-two. 
So 36 years. Ah, oh, don't age me that bad. <laughs> oh my God, I'm old. Okay. Like a fine wine. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes fine. <laughs> you open up bottles of fine wine and they're 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 not even what I vinegar. That's there what I said. So yeah. I'm turning vinegarish. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so again, like we've talked about before, mm-hmm. stock is um, an ownership, a piece of ownership in a traded or non-traded company. Yeah. And um, so let's kind of talk about the reason again why we'd want to buy stocks. Okay. Let's pick a company that we know. Um, a big one. Um, Google. Google. Okay. This is generalities. By yeah. Way. This is total. General. Don't. There, you know. There's no specific specificity here. There's our legal. Yep. Disclosures. Okay. Continue. Okay. Google. So Alphabet, Google, whatever. Okay. So you like Alphabet? You think that they're <laughs> going to make money over the next ten years? They're doing a couple of things right now. I know they're doing a lot more than this. I'm just going to mention a couple. One is that they've got their cloud-based storage, and they pay and they charge you for that. And number two is they have the advertising uh, revenue and Google Assistant and everything. I know. Else. Assistant, okay. They got, got Google it. Books, got Google this, got Google Drive. I mean, I I use Google. Okay. And you think also that their storage people are going to go into the cloud more, and you think that Google is on top of excuse the dog no siren just chimed in and she agreed with you yeah okay there you go yeah. okay so google is um generally speaking if the company does good i say generally speaking because you may have ceos that make comments about taking something private the next day they decide not to um so the stock goes up <laughs> and then changes mind and then change body yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> so in any case going back to this whole conversation i think is that you think that google's going to make more money and if the company makes more money, generally, over the long haul, the stock price will go up. So you're investing, and as Google does better, your stock price goes up. That's the general idea. Are there times when Google does better and the stock goes down? Absolutely. There's called bear markets and bull markets, and sometimes you think the company's doing great, and the stock is dropping. You go, what the heck's going on? Because the stock market is a leading economic indicator, and it's in part the the, the invest, investment community who's on Wall Street is investing based upon what they expect it to do. And if they think the economy is going to go down, they'll start selling off stock in advance. But generally speaking, you buy a stock buy because, a stock because you think it's going to go up. Okay. Because you think that the company's going to make more money. You think the value ha- you think that the company has potential to grow in value. Sure. Can you okay. imagine buying Google 20 years ago or Amazon? Yeah. Amazon's up like. 10,000% or something yeah. from the first person who invested in it. I know. Okay, so who would benefit from a stock or being in the stock market? Almost everybody would. The only problem is you've got a lot of risk. You can never tell what's going to happen in the economy, and that's the reason why people buy CDs. Because or bonds. You, or bond, well, no, because bonds or can bonds. go up and down, too. Bonds can go up and down, too. They can. So I remember Mr. Kroll. Well, we'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. But, yeah, so you generally... Um, buy a stock in hopes that you're an investor you think long term that's how buffett did it by the way mm-hmm. he's he's yeah. the second wealthiest man in the, in the country and what he does he's third now i'm third, sorry third because yeah. uh, bezos is bezos first is and, first and, and uh, gates is second yeah. and buffett's third mm-hmm. um and what he did is he just buys stock in american companies that he thinks are going to do really well he just holds on to it mm-hmm. and he doesn't think about day by day but what do they do he doesn't care he looks he does fundamental 
analysis of a company saying this has great potential I'm going to buy into it now and just hold on to it he does mm-hmm. that's how it makes money so that's yeah. how you can make money too in your yeah. IRAs and you could potentially make money yeah over the long haul that's true as long yeah. as you get enough companies if you try to buy one company and put all your eggs in one basket uh, that's generally a um, equation for complete destruction <laughs> I've seen it happen so, and I've okay. argued with people, don't do that. Oh, well, I want to buy all this. I want to buy Eagle Electronics. Or one guy came in, bought Eagle Electronics. He put 40, this is in 2000.com. Put 30,000 into it. When it was worth 300 and some odd thousand, I said, you need to take your money off the table. And he looked at me and said, it was trading at 50, 60 times earnings. And he looked at me and said, you know what? This is not the same stock market as your grandfather, your father. So I don't worry about it. And you know, within a year it was gone. Mm-hmm. All of it. Oh, because he put all, oh, yeah, I can't possibly lose. Mm-hmm. This thing's going to go on forever. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Not at all. You you take, you know, you, you spread your money out. You take your risk. Over. I know I was supposed to cut it, but you take long, spread it out everywhere. Cool. Okay. All right. So that's a stock. Yeah. <laughs> and they're in all, all different good. kinds of companies, too. Yeah. Which we've talked about before. Yeah, well, how many stocks in New York Stock? Two thousand companies are on the New York Stock Exchange. Five thousand on Nasdaq. Something. I don't know. I don't know the numbers, yeah. but it's it's huge. Those okay. are all company stock. Okay, so let's move on to bonds. Okay. So the third um, type of investment instrument that most people are aware of is a bond. Yeah. Well, they might be. You hear bond, you go, "What the heck is that?" It's a loan to a company. Yeah. It's That's an instrument it of debt. And actually, people don't realize that the bond market is twice as big as the stock market. Mm-hmm. Of course, then again, with the with the U.S. Treasury issuing a trillion dollars of uh, new debt a year, mm-hmm. it's yeah. growing. Yeah. But literally, the value of the bond market is twice that of the stock market. Mm-hmm. And the stock market is valued at some trillion dollars or whatever. Yeah. And so what a bond trillion. is, is you loan money to a company for a certain period of time, like AT&T, <clears throat> and they pay you a... Or the government. Or the government. But I, I was going to get the government next, but you do a company like AT&T or, or Google. Google, Google doesn't have any yeah. bonds. I don't think Apple does, Apple actually. does, yeah. Apple does. Apple's so what bonds. you do is you buy Apple's bonds, and you're guaranteed to get an interest over a certain period of time based upon whatever the rate was at that exact day. So day one, it could be 2%. Uh, six weeks later, because interest rates are going up, it could be 2.25%, but it doesn't make a difference. You're buying it on that day, and you're guaranteed what, by the company mm-hmm. to get all your money back when that thing matures, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Um, there's no, but, you know, the company has to be around to pay you back. Right. And that's the bottom thing. See, the so, FDIC right. guarantees you get your money back. Right. The guarantee for you getting money back is the guarantee of the company. It's the credit risk. And of it's the, the credit risk. That's right. So it brings in the credit consideration. I mean, you buy, um, oh, what's a huge company right now that, that, that um, well, even, even big companies. Look at, look what happened with Ford and GM. And yeah. about four or five years yeah. ago, they had to, I think they had to default a number of bonds because if I didn't have enough money, they went bankrupt. When they go bankrupt, they don't have to pay all the bonds back. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of things that go on that you just have to be careful of. But and that's why you don't buy a single bond and put all your money in one basket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Unless it's insured, if it isn't insured, buy like the Feds or some huge company. You don't. You, you just don't put everything in one basket. Just right. don't. It's ridiculous. Okay, so <clears throat> let's kind of talk about the reason why someone would have bonds in their portfolio over stocks. Because they want to have income. 
and they want to make sure that they're going to have their money back. Are they, they're hoping when they buy it, they assume that they're going to get all their money back at the end of the period. They can loan a company. Some companies were issuing 50-year bonds. So what happens is 50 years from now, you get all your money back. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, you, you buy it because you want to have a set income. So let's kind of talk about the government bonds. Okay. Now um, when, those are when, another when guarantee. Treasuries, those people, are those right. are guaranteed at maturity to give your um, all your money back. You know why you can get all your money back? Because the federal government can print it. Right. And it's it's your the bond. Okay. They <laughs> can print it. <laughs> when 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 we talk about government bonds, we're talking about U.S. government bonds. U.S. government bonds. It's also kind of synonym, or synonymous with the with the term treasuries. Uh huh. Because the U.S. Treasury is the one who's issuing uh-huh. the debt. They're the ones who are borrowing the money. Right. So for the U.S. government. Right. So what happens is, um, it's those instruments are generally backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Uh, they're which, backed by the full faith and credit of the printing presses of the United States government. <laughs> Let's put it straight. Okay. Right. <laughs> sure. So anyway, that's when we talk about bonds, government bonds. Um, Generally speaking, so you can't lose money on them. You get whatever you put into them. You put fifty thousand into a U.S. Treasury and you hold it to maturity. If you buy it, whatever, and and you and it, and you hold it maturity, you're guaranteed by the government to get all your money back, mm-hmm. plus the interest. You'll always get the interest off of U.S. government bonds. Always, sure, unless the government goes bankrupt. But that's a different issue. They right. did issue a trillion dollars this past year. They overspent, as always, as Congress. We know the opposite of pro, right? Con. What's the opposite of progress? Congress. Congress. Okay. Yep. And that's what they do. They spend far more money than all of us earn combined because they want to buy our votes. But we'll leave that alone. Yeah. All right. Continuing on. I don't want to get involved. Right. That's yeah. That's a totally separate issue. Podcast. That's right. Well, we won't have that podcast because yeah. uh, right. Um. So who would benefit from a bond? Uh, people who have actually it generally is people who are not looking so much for growth but looking for income. Mm-hmm. That's it. So the more conservative investment investor, yeah, yeah, generally who, speaking, who wants to have that constant dollar coming in, right? You know, the most con- my, my really conservative investors right now have about two thirds bond and one one third stock mm-hmm. because they're getting income off of the bonds. Yeah. And it's usually tax freeze too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how. I mean, that's just it. Just makes logical sense for them because they're older too. The yeah. older you get, the less chance, the less risk you want to take because you can't make it back. Right. That's the bottom line. And that's right. why people say when you're 60 years old or 65 years old, you shouldn't have that much in the stock market because if you lose it, you can't make it back. And that's the idea behind. Mm-hmm. The older you get, the more conservative you get. The more you want to have something that's got some kind of either guarantee like treasuries, CDs. Or you want to have high-quality companies issuing bonds that you're borrowing money, or they're borrowing your money and paying you back on, so you've got that constant income without having to worry about it. Mm-hmm. One thing that we kind of touched on, but didn't really go into detail about, is the tax benefits of municipal bonds or government tax-free. The income tax. Well, municipal bonds are generally tax-free from both state and federal taxes. There's always exceptions because of who issues them, but I won't get into that. That's far too much info. So let's let's give an example. Let's say the city of San Diego. Okay, city of San Diego wants to issue, there's two ways they can do it. They can use they, it for general purposes. Okay. They're gonna use it for 
fire, police, blah, blah, blah. It has no specific use. That's called a general obligation bond. They, the government is the state, or say, the city of San Diego is issuing a general obligation bond, meaning that they're going to use the money for general public service. Okay, so those are bonds, um, and that's that. So let's dive into mutual funds, okay. which I think a lot of people are fairly aware of. Oh, sure. Or, like a lot of people have them in their retirement yeah, plan right. at work. All right, so mutual funds are generally a collection of stocks and or bonds that are managed by a company. Well, they're, yes. They're managed, um, like for example, Fidelity offers 200, I don't know how many funds. A lot of a mutual lot, funds. A bunch of funds. And each of those funds are specific to a a need. A There's international stock, large cap stocks, huge companies, international small cap, little tiny guys, micro cap, mm -hmm. bonds, blah, blah, blah. And each of those funds has their own manager. Right. And you know that's why sometimes when you talk to um, investment advisors, they will get you into a Vanguard fund to Fidelity. I, I don't, I'm just throwing the names out, okay? Fidelity funds, a American fund, PIMCO. A this, a PIMCO, a Franklin, because the best manager of bonds might be at PIMCO, and the best manager of international large cap stocks might be at Jason Frank. I don't know, well, mm -hmm. I don't know but yeah. you know that, so what they do is they pick out funds from various companies trying to get the best manager because no, like Fidelity, everybody says, oh, I have Fidelity funds. Yeah, but which of the Fidelity funds do you have? Because a lot of those are one-star funds mm -hmm. from Morningstar, which rates all the funds, up to five-star funds. And you just got to make sure that you always try to get the very best managers manage your portfolios, wherever that manager might live. Right. So we can, we can state then that, that most mutual funds have a specific focus on either a sector or an area like technology or industrials or international, just like we were talking about. Or a whole boatload of stocks of right. all different kinds. Yes. They, they have growth. Right. If they say we have growth, they might have um, international, U.S., uh, they might have some bonds in there because they think that bonds might be able, they might be under undervalued. I mean, there's all sorts of things that could be in a portfolio. So, yeah. Sure. And let's kind of talk about some of the costs that are associated with mutual funds because they can be pretty expensive. Yeah, they can. And usually costs can, can go up to, if not exceed, three to five percent so something funny. like that. I was thinking of American Pace Fund. When I was working at Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Finner, Smith & Bean, when it was Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Finner, Smith & Bean, I was selling the American Pace Fund. The American Pace Fund had a seven and a half percent load. Wow. Yeah. yeah seven wow. and a half percent was a load on buying a mutual fund. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That means you put in, you put in ten thousand dollars, I got seven hundred and fifty bucks. Well, the company got seven hundred and fifty bucks. Believe me, I didn't get the seven fifty. Right. And so your net First, your first statement shows your value yeah. at what ninety two fifty. Yeah, if nothing changed, right? You know, so yeah, we Pure get seven percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's when when we talk about loads, they're they're basically costs. So um, you have an upfront cost yeah. or a purchasing cost mm -hmm. that's a front end load, uh -huh. and if in the event that you were getting out of that specific mutual fund and 
you know, deciding that you didn't want to invest in that one anymore and you wanted to sell it, and they usually have a back-end load. And yet, almost every single employer offers only mutual funds because that's the way it was set up. Right, they're, they're it, employers. Employers, like within their, in their 401k plans, 403b sure. plans. However, I mean, most people listening to this will have, oh, look, I've got two dozen funds I can buy from. However, yeah. there has been a shift uh, in um, the fee structures inside of a plan. Yeah. So You if, know about that because you're yeah, a specialist. If, if there's a company that's out there um, that has a 401k and has an investment advisor taking care of it and helping the employer out, typically what they'll do or what they should be doing is calculating the fees um, on the overall kind of plan and seeing if it's comparable to another plan in that same industry. So if there's a, um, let's just say a company in San Diego has a a fence building company and they have a 401k, um, usually what will happen is the investment advisor will go in and they'll make sure that the fence company's 401k is comparable to another fence company's 401k in San Diego. So if it's not, then you should change problem. it out. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, that's uh, that's what mutual funds are. So who would benefit from someone, or who who would be someone that would benefit from being in a mutual fund? The beauty of a mutual fund is that you are picking up if you pick the good quality funds, high quality money management, and that high quality money management is always sitting on top of what the markets are doing. And the reason why they're high quality money managers is because they're picking the markets and where they think they're going correctly. They're not just buying anything and everything that moves, they're buying those stocks that they believe after doing a lot of research, generally speaking, they buy the stocks that they believe will be the best performing stocks within the parameters of what their mutual fund will allow them to buy. And that's why you do that. I mean, it, it is worth it. It really is because you also, with a mutual fund, you really spread your risk. The one problem with buying a stock is you own a single stock. Um, let's say, for example, I want to do a, a, a growth stock. Okay, I want to put money into a growth portfolio. But if I only have $2,000, how am I going to buy five different, 10 different stocks? What I can do is buy one mutual fund, and in buying a single mutual fund, my money is spread out amongst all the stocks that are owned by that mutual fund. So it's a good way to invest for people who don't really have a clue of picking individual stocks or, or not working with a private advisor like we are. Gotcha. Well, let's kind of segue that because I think there's other options for folks who want to do that, yeah. you know, spread the risk between mm. a number of different st- uh, companies or stocks or whatever. Mm. And, um, over the last couple of years, there's been a real interest in ETFs, sure. which are exchange-traded funds. Right. So exchange-traded funds are similar to mutual funds. In some ways. Yes, in that they're a, a collection of different stocks, or they can be a collection of different stocks and bonds and all these other kinds of investment. They're all over the place. Right. The difference between ETFs and mutual funds is fundamentally that an ETF can be traded at any time during the day on the New York Stock Exchange based upon a specific price being offered to buy and sell, just like a stock. Mutual funds at the end of the day 
what they do is they calculate the value of all their holdings divided by the number of shares outstanding and that's the value of the of the mutual fund at the end of the day they don't trade based upon um, generally speaking mutual funds the valuation reflects exactly the value of the portfolio at day's end ETF sometimes can be traded ahead or behind the underlying value of the stocks that's a big difference um, ETFs are generally less expensive way less expensive in fact I think the first ETFs really you know there are things on the stock exchange called indexes like the Dow Jones Industrial Average the so 30 stocks that were put together that represent the biggest industrial companies in the country based upon what the company Dow and Jones decides it should be and then they have the industrials and they have and then they have the S&P you know Standard & Poor's came out with their index Standard & Poor's 100 index 500 S&P 500 is a, is a big one and it's, it's uh, the, the flagship benchmark that most people right know of. right now in the in the in the mutual fund world I'm gonna use one now I'm just gonna quote based upon my latest knowledge I'm not gonna guarantee any of this but I know that Vanguard has a or at least the last time I looked at it they had an S&P 500 fund that which means that they buy every single stock that's in the S&P 500 based upon the exact value of each stock within the S&P 500 like this you know, we the percentage know the percentage is equal to whatever, whatever yeah so yes. like for example at the top five at 25% or 30% of the S&P is top five stocks but in any case stocks, so yeah. it's weighted it's a weighted average right and they charge half percent for that less than that no not not Vanguard, Vanguard less it used to be well it used to be half percent I'm just going to use this as an example sure okay in the ETF world ah I see yes it's Eight tenths percent, so it's forty-two. We call them basis points. Point, Four, point zero one percent would be one basis point. So, yeah. So there's one's charging point zero eight, and one's charging point five zero for the exact same thing. So people are paying, or they were. Like I said, I don't know now, but they were paying literally or they are paying if they're still in the vanguard and still charging that they're paying four tenths of percent more to own the exact same thing there's no one in there managing it other than matching what the S&P 500 index had right so ETFs are um, that's where they all started out but now you have all sorts of ETFs that are doing all sorts of things and they're not going through the mutual fund world and um, you can trade them on exchange buy and sell them in a flash whereas mutual funds only trade at the end of the day after the market is closed mm -hmm. you buy based upon that you put in your order during the day I want to buy 500 shares of the Vanguard S&P 500 index you don't buy it then you buy it at whatever price it comes in at the end of the day after the market closes half an hour later they publish out the price that you bought it at and the next day you start your portfolio with the S&P 500 index mutual fund priced at the price it closed the previous day. In the case of the S&P 500 index on the New York Stock Exchange, you buy it first thing in the morning, an hour later you sell it. Whatever price you sold it for is what you get. Mm -hmm. So you know exactly what you're doing, whereas you have to wait till day in on a mutual fund. Sure. But let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the taxation 
Oh. Uh, you can bring in words like that. I know. I'm, I have to. Foreign fire. You know, the difference. Hours, tax. The difference between mutual funds and mm-hmm. ETFs, mm-hmm. as far as taxation taxation is concerned. There's really not that much difference because they're both generating out. Now, mutual funds are trading stocks in portfolios, and every time they have to report earnings once a year, and sometimes they get. Um, you end up with with having to pay taxes based upon capital gains that have built up in the mutual fund during the year. So here's the thing though is you're not you're you're hiring another company to take care of right. your investment management right. and so they're going you're at the mercy of whatever they decide that they want to right. do inside of that account right. or inside of that fund. Right. Which means that if they feel like they want to sell everything and go to cash, you don't have a say in it. You no. just bought the mutual fund, and so you're subject to whatever taxation I they, they uh-huh. had in their fund. I remember at Merrill Lynch, I can talk specifics. At Merrill Lynch, I had, not me, but one of the brokers went in and put $100,000 into a Jenny May fund offered by Franklin, and I'll be danged if two months later Franklin didn't declare a, a, a capital gain on that. Mm-hmm. So the person who bought into it at that point in time was a five percent load, right? Because that's wow. how broker made it. Yeah. So there weren't there weren't investment advisors. Very few investment advisors were out there. So you pay he paid five percent load on that, mm-hmm. right? So it starts ninety five, and they declared a twenty cent capital gain. So the person who bought that ended up paying twenty had a twenty thousand dollar capital gain, and they lost five thousand when they bought it. So they lost twenty five thousand dollars in two months. Not they lose it, but they have to pay taxes. They lost five thousand, or they gave up five thousand because they bought the darn thing, and then they had to pay taxes on twenty thousand dollars of capital gains. Because the, the the mutual funds every year declare one time their capital gains, short term, long term capital gains, and everybody who owns that mutual fund has to put whatever those numbers are on their taxes. Yep, and that's why they're I mean, now mutual funds are great. You don't have to worry about that if you're an IRA account. Sure. But if you're not an IRA account, I just gave you taxes. Yeah. So, but the difference is, if there's an ETF that's a passively managed ETF, or passively managed exchange traded fund, it's just it's it's mirroring what the S and P. Let's just for example, the S and P 500 index is doing. So it's gonna you know do whatever it does. There's gonna be no sale in that index throughout. The time um, that you that you hold it unless until... unless S and P changes the stocks. Okay, that, they've done that a couple okay. times. But you're right. Okay. You're absolutely right. Sure. So, but but again, nobody's if, pulling the trigger. No, right. So you're not subject to whatever someone else is doing generally. Right. Now that's with the index ETFs. Right. With the regular ETFs, you are they can pull triggers. Sure. But right. index ETFs, no. Right. See, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right, so now what we're gonna do is kind of segue into a, or what can be a very complicated no, strategy. No, it is complicated. Options? Options oh. are ridiculous. You know how many brokers didn't pass the brokerage test the first, second, and third time because of the option rules? It's so crazy. I know. It. Um, you know, straddles, bull straddles, bear straddles, calls, hedges, calls, calls puts, puts, short songs. Yeah, so these are all crazy industry terms. And to be honest, I just, it's, I think it's just way too much to explain over There's podcast. No yeah, it's, but it's impossible. 
we'll just kind of we'll kind of uh, we'll just give you a thirty thousand foot overview of what an option is. Options are your you are buying or selling an option. Okay, if you're buying an option, somebody is selling it to you, and they're giving you the option to do something with something they own. That's fundamentally what an option is. And if you sell an option, you're giving somebody else the opportunity to make you do something. I mean, you can have an option on a car for gosh sakes. Let's say, for example, somebody wants to buy a car. They want to buy a, a Mustang. You own a, you own a fancy Mustang and you've got, they're gonna, you sell them an option to buy your car at $30,000 They give you 500 bucks, but they've only got three months to do it. If they don't do it in three months, you keep the 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. If they do it in three months, you still keep the 500 bucks and they, they buy it for $30,000. Mm -hmm. So you've sold the right to somebody else to do so, and it happens with stocks. Mm -hmm. You can sell them the right to buy your AT&T stock, and they can, it gets, but as you said, it gets so convoluted. There's so many things about buying and selling and straddles and blah, 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 blah. That's for high-end stuff. We're, right. we're not talking to people, I don't think, that are going to be worried about trading options on futures and oh gosh yeah. it gets it's just yeah i think if you're interested in options i think that um i think youtube can provide you with some pretty general video imagery kind of stuff that that you might get uh, might be a little bit more understandable um so that's kind of my two cents on that. I, I will just, say that trading options, I'm not kidding. If you're trading options to make money, you have as much, I believe the risk was the same as playing Russian roulette with five out of six chambers loaded. <laughs> you have a one in six chance of actually making money. When you do, you make it big time. I mean, you've got these guys on CNBC talking all the time about their option trading. Well. They probably make Nigerian money brothers. on Yeah, but they're always at it, and they're constantly, on, and they're second by second they watching, they love watching the trades. Oh, my yeah. gosh, today we saw somebody come in buy 5,000 options and buy 5,000 calls or sell 5,000 puts or blah, 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 blah. And they're on it second by second basis. Yeah. For somebody who generally is getting into investments, options are very complicated. Yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah. I've done option work before, but on a very limited basis. Right. Cool. So, um, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you learned a little bit about um, CDs, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and options. This I hope is... they learn nothing about options. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with this now, is... now, are, are we going to do like next time? Yeah, sure? so uh, this is going to be. The first of two types of investment podcasts. So, um, the next time, next time we're gonna be talking about um, REITs, so real estate investment trusts, uh, some private oil, let's see, private equity, oil and gas. Um, Those work. And some some of the other really cool real estate investment trusts, blah, yeah. just yeah. all sorts of annuities. Yeah. So we'll that we'll talk about that um, next time. So. Um, remember to subscribe, and if you have any questions or would like to get in touch with us, please feel free 
Um, if you want to share your story with us or just comment, whatever, please reach out to us and let us know how as we're doing. As long as nice <laughs> um, Contact at stokesfg.com. And in the meantime, you can visit our website, stokesfg.com. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram for daily news and information. And until next time, we'll catch you later. And make sure to share this with your friends. Yep, share it with your friends and family. We really appreciate the support. And um, let us know what you're interested in and how we can better assist. Yeah, maybe we can have more specific shows if somebody calls up and says, I yeah. want to know about this. I want to know more about ETFs. Tell me about ETFs. Yeah. Just, just don't bring up options. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. We'll Bye. see you later. Bye. like to thank Ryan Claus of Claus Creative for providing us with this tasty soundtrack. You can visit Ryan on his website, clauscreative.com, or his SoundCloud, at Claus Creative. Stokes Financial Group offers securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC, Stokes Financial Group, and IFG are unaffiliated entities. If you'd like information on our individual state registrations, please visit our website, www.stokesfg.com.